Hey, great day. So before we get into today's podcast episode, I have a huge announcement. We are bringing back the Abundant CEO Private Practice Bootcamp. This is a three-day virtual party that I'm inviting all mental health therapists that either want a private practice in the next six to 12 months, or you already have had a private practice, maybe for the last year, five years, or even over a decade, but you want to understand wealth and cash flow in your company. You want to learn how to show up as a CEO and work more on your business versus in your business. Maybe you want to assess the health and the wealth of your current or future private practice to really see if you're on the right path to increasing your revenue, to growing your practice, maybe to streams of income later, or maybe even a group practice. Bottom line is you will walk away from this three-day bootcamp clarifying and understanding your niche, understanding how to show up as an abundant CEO, and most importantly, assessing the health of what you believe is a profitable private practice. So head down to the show notes and go to the link drtk.com forward slash links and sign up for the bootcamp. I'll see you there. Now let's head into the podcast episode. Hey, my name is Dr. TK, and on this podcast show, we will uncover abundant tools to help you become the CEO of your business and life. I am a mom and wife who took the knowledge as a clinical psychologist, working for a government agency, and being a professor for over 18 years into building a multi-six-figure mental health business and seven-figure digital product business and doing what I love. Now, I believe that you can make a wildly abundant living and become unapologetic while also dreaming big, enjoying life, and making a huge impact in your community. This is the Therapist Deserve Abundance Podcast. Hey, 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 everybody. So welcome to the Therapists Deserve Abundance Podcast Live. I am your host, Dr. TK. I decided to go live today because I received a good amount of questions in my DM over the last week regarding some things with private practice. And then the topic of today is really hyper-focusing on how do you create a private practice schedule that actually goes with your flow of life. So I decided since I already introduced like the whole work-life integration to our therapist community, that I would do a live session right here on YouTube. And then we would put it over on the audio podcast to be able to answer a lot of these questions that I am receiving. And so if you could go over, if you're watching live, head over to the chat box and let me know what is the status of your private practice? Meaning are you full-time, part-time, or have you not started? And that's going to be really important because what you're going to see, what you will find is based on whether you are part-time, full-time, or just starting, that may dictate like how you see the scheduling that I'm going to show you today and also how you might clearly move in your private practice. And so this can also help you with group practice scheduling to a degree, because I'm going to share with you how my group practice also played a role in how I changed my schedule, how having kids changed my schedule, getting married changed my schedule, changing jobs, changing rotations, and all the things. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to share the screen and I'm going to integrate my narrative with what I've learned and what I've tried and what are some of the things that have been successful with me changing my schedule. And by all means, continue to chat with me in the chat box and I'll pull some of the questions on the screen. All right. So what you're looking at right now is my schedule from 20 
2011. Okay. And the reason why I'm starting with 2011 is that I started my private practice officially in 2012. When I say officially, I had knew that I would be a private practice owner since I started my doctoral program. I started to talk about it in my master's program, but didn't know if I was going to get the doctorate. So I chose to do the master's first. And then I was able to transfer, you know, classes and stuff over in my doctoral program. So what ended up happening during this season that you're looking at on the screen and just like take note of anything that stands out to you. Um, and I'll give you some context too with, with what was happening in my life that would allow me to have a schedule like this, if that makes sense, is in 2010, I started working for LA County Department of Mental Health. During that season, I um, was going through a personal you know, situation is not a secret. Like I had announced it before I had, um, I was going through a divorce. So with that said, during that time, I did not have any children and I was really just working and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with a private practice. And so I got licensed when I was working in the camp, like my first year there, meaning I got a job, I was getting paid like what 60 K with benefits. It was a pretty good job. I really liked the kids and things like that. Um, However, when I chose to open up my private practice, I had to be very strategic because of my schedule. And of course, self-care is vitally important. So the blue represents my 10-hour shift at the camp. So what you don't see is, and this is important for self-care because this is how we can burn ourselves out. My days would start as early as five o'clock in the morning. And what that meant is that I would have to get up at 4.35. I would drive with a coworker because we would carpool every other day. We would work four days on, three days off. That was our schedule. That's why we were working like 10 hour schedules. But the camp was with traffic on a good day, two hours to and two hours from. So I had a total of a 14 hour day. So like we used to have the running joke of I go to work when it's dark, I come home when it's dark, like team no life, you know? So I didn't have enough energy or room in me to do anything, you know, when I got home. And on top of that, when I first started working there, I was studying for the exam while I couldn't see kids because they were in school in the in the camp, right? And campus, if you're not familiar with the program, it's more like their sentency, like a prison for children because they, they got uh, convicted, okay? So while I was there, I was working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Sunday. So basically our first day of the week was Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, regular days. Wednesday was considered an overlap day, but nevertheless, I worked either from nine to six or eight to five or something like that, but it was 10 hours. So I chose not to have my private practice days on those days because I wouldn't be able to be fully myself, especially during that season where I was serving children. Because with children, there's a different level of energy that you got to bring in because you're also dealing with the system, the caregivers, the parents, potentially family therapy, right? And I would not have enough energy clearly if I could only see them at nine o'clock at night. That would be a no-go. So during 2011, I was also teaching. Put a one in the comment box if you can relate to any part of this narrative in terms of you having your hand in multiple pots. So as a professor, the great part is I get to choose what days I'm available to teach. At this time, I believe I was working at a total of three schools back then. Um, One of the schools have multiple campuses. So sometimes I would fly up North crazy, right? But hell, I ain't had to do, you know, I was recently single, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do beyond work. And so I chose to pick up classes on Thursday evening 
so that I can have Thursdays pretty much to myself or do my regular errands, do all the things. Um, and then on Friday, if there were classes available on Friday, I would also teach on Friday. But please keep in mind that it's one class in the yellow block. So if I'm in the yellow block, I'm teaching at colleges where the classes are once a week for like six weeks or 15 weeks before a four hour time frame, if that makes sense. So um, I'm teaching at maybe one or two different schools and then I may rotate and throw in a third school or whatever, like the next semester or next five weeks or whatnot. Okay. Now my private practice was not born yet, but this is where I started. And this is where I would encourage you to start thinking about whether you're in a season of changing your schedule, you'll see that in a moment and, or you're just starting for some of you. I would encourage you, especially in that camp. I gave you something if you were on the call last week, but you want to map out on a sheet of paper or something like what does your actual schedule look like now and how can you create space to work on your business and working on your business also includes getting help in your business. Okay. And for your business. All right. So this was my schedule in 2011. Now I'm going to skip over to 2012 on the screen. Okay. So it's, it's multiple parts during my experience working in the County. I was working in the camp for a year and a half. And then of course I got tired of the drive. I love the job, but I got tired of the drive. But before then I decided to go ahead and open up my practice and start seeing clients on a day and time that I felt like worked for my energy. That is vitally important. Back then I went and found a physical space and I did things all the way backwards, y'all. I said, I will get an office where I can get a client because I was in hustle mentality. I just wanted to see, but as a disclaimer, I was already getting paid by that point. Soon as I got licensed, I went straight from 60,000 to like 80,000. Okay. So I do want to be clear about that because some clinicians I see leave their job with no planning. They literally are operating off faith, more power to you, but you have no system. You have no structure. And I'm just talking about structure of your schedule, not even talking about a structure to your life, to your business yet, right? And so my schedule remained the same, working in the camp. However, I added a private practice, some slots between the hours of nine and 12. I got a cute little sublet office in Beverly Hills that I was in the middle area of West LA where a lot of the Black adolescent and families were that wanted to see me. And I was also reaching people on the West side. And it was like in the direction that the camp was like going West. And so I was okay with that because hell, I was used to driving two hours anyway. So what I did, this is very important. Take notes is that I chose to cluster my clients, cluster my clients, write that word down. The reason why clustering is very important. And if you're a group practice owner, this is something that I taught the clinicians who worked in my group practice for like five years is like, you know, this, these are the days you said you can work. But as we start filling your caseload, I would highly encourage you that as soon as the first client says they are available, like on Friday at nine, your best bet is to plug in a client between 10 or 11. Like don't jump down at three o'clock because especially if you don't live near your office or if you're in your home, you're going to have to switch hats multiple times. Personally, and I got this even like in the pandemic, I did not prefer to see one client be off three hours, go upstairs, get comfortable, eat, get Starbucks, watch Netflix, and then come back downstairs. Absolutely not. I prefer 
to cluster my clients. Put a one in the comment box if that makes sense. So that's where I would start. This also includes some of you who are rearranging your schedules. You're going to see that in a moment as well. So when my first client said that they can come at 11, then I said, okay, well, the next person that calls, they either got to come in at 9, 10, or 12. I wanted to come in at uh, nine because I wanted to have like at least four clients there, honestly, to pay my sublet fee, <laughs> you know, for one for one, um, one one week pay for the whole month. OK, it wasn't a cheap area at all. It was a very highly valued area. And so the lady gave me a break and it is what it is. So that's how I built my caseload over there. Then I started running into a marketing issue because I didn't know what I was doing back then. Y'all, like, it wasn't no business coaching for therapists. And so. It wasn't like a me right back then. I wish there were. And so I asked myself, what would be the best decision for me, my self-care and for my business that now has like a little business license and all these great things, right? Extra malpractice. What would be the best move for me in order to start to increase my caseload? Because the audience over here, it ain't working. It ain't working. But was it not working or did I not know how to work it? That's a, that's a little nugget right there. Is your marketing not working or do you not know how to work it? Okay, so let me scroll down and show you now part two. Okay, the ledger is still the same just so you can see it. So this is part two. So still at the same job, but I started to me having issues marketing. So I started to look around for other office space and I stumbled across the Craigslist post back then in 2012, same year. Some of y'all may have heard this episode where I did it recently and it was like four offices in two years or something crazy. Definitely go check that out on my podcast and on YouTube. You can search it on YouTube and you'll find it within the last like year or two years. Um, I did it. So I went to one office. They had a small sublet. And I immediately started attracting transitional age youth, very similar to the young men that I had attracted, transitional age youth, um, young men playing basketball. But it seemed like, because I didn't know, back then my niche was Tay, transitional age youth, like right before high school, independent living skills, dealing with anxiety, learning how to life, but still living with their parents and their parents want them out or their parents want them to get grown kind of thing, right? And so um, that was my specialty when I was working at high school. So it, it's not an accident to me that that was part of my gift of what I would teach the clients in therapy to then cope with their, their anxiety, right? And their parents' anxiety. So what I started to do then is say, okay, a lot of these young people that I'm starting to attract, I'm starting to notice that they can come on Fridays. So that the, my Friday slots started to get filled with like three clients fairly quickly. Like three for me was a big deal considering I was already spreading thin with all these other jobs, right? But I said, there has to be another way I can see these kids. So I decided, y'all, excuse my life, I decided to just thug it out, right? I said, I got all day Thursday. So what I started doing, as soon as I started filling my caseload on Saturday, I stopped like teaching on either Thursday or Friday, if that makes sense. I was only committed to teaching one time a week. And then one of the schools was like a regular 18 week school. I kind of squeezed that in with once a night. But outside of that, these schools that were five to six week classes, if that makes sense, I was only doing one at a time. So whoever got the best bid with me with the schedule with the class that I wanted to teach, the other school had to wait. Okay. But it was every five weeks. So I, I still got money coming in, additional money. So I started to notice that all of a sudden, after getting the transitional age youth, I started attracting high schoolers. But again, that's not by accident. 
how do I pitch myself online? What is my CV, my resume look like on my website? Well, heck, I've worked at K through 12 schools. I work at a juvenile facility. I've worked with adults, but most of my experience was with the young people. So of course, parents are going to see that and see back then I looked clearly way younger than what I was. And so they're like, good match with my kid, relatable, person of color, you know? And so I moved my private practice office because those other kids kind of fell off too in LA. So I moved my private practice office to Cerritos, which is like more toward Orange County, the complete opposite way, like 30 miles, 25 to 30 miles. And it's by like Orange, by Knoxbury Forum, Disneyland, if you're familiar with Southern California. (laughs) So then the referrals start popping in. Me not realizing that word of mouth referrals is a great thing. On top of that, I started to explore EAPs. The EAP pay was not great. But because I'm a numbers person and I'm data driven, I learned how to pay attention, write this down, (laughs) to what insurances these people who came in through EAP, because some of the EAP companies were straight up EAP, like no medical insurance, right? But I started to notice trends like, oh my God, like 50% of my referrals for EAP have Blue Shield of California, 30% of them have MHN. So one of the clinicians in the bootcamp recently said, hey, how do I choose which insurance panels to get on, stay on, how do I decide, you know, et cetera. We do have a bonus for that in DTA, but just like a little tidbit, this is how I chose initially which insurance panel to get on and or research to see if I wanted to work with them is if I'm already attracting your clients and they keep calling every week, why would I not check out that insurance? Put a two in the comment box if that makes sense. Like ding, 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 you know, pay attention. All you got to do is ask questions, do marketing research with the people that are calling your office. And so that's how I started getting on insurance panels is just paying attention because some of these clients were unable clearly to see me after their EAP ran out. So the great part about EAP is that there are little to no restrictions about why they're coming into therapy. I can flip flop and see the family, then the child, then the adult, and then the couple. Like, it doesn't matter. I just got to tell the people on the forum who I saw that day was the client present or weren't they present. However, I started to feel in my soul, though, that it was a disservice to the client, especially for those who their jobs only had a package that gave them one EAP session. And then we hit it off. So after me starting to notice a pattern of wanting to work with those clients more long term, that's when I started to get on the panels. That's also when I started to attract more adolescents and their families. I also started to notice a trend. I hope y'all notice in the wording I'm using. In order for you to grow your business, you have to understand marketing. You have to understand your numbers. You have to understand where your clients are coming from. And it's going to go through waves and it's going to change also based off technology, how people find you. Okay. So because I start attracting a lot of adolescents, The little, um, and they didn't know that I used to play sports, but I just find it interesting that a lot of kids that I was getting were either in after school activities, which meant that they can't come directly to me after school in my private practice, or they played sports. And if you're in high school, when are the games? Basketball, Tuesday and Thursday, at least in our area, and football games are on Friday, or girls are cheerleaders or things like that. So, or they just got school pride and don't want to miss a game. And so I asked myself, would it be beneficial for me? to open up Saturdays? And the answer was yes. I had to just check, how am I doing with life? How am I doing with that Sunday that I have to go to work? Now, the great part is what I chose to do is heavy load the kids that I saw in the jail Monday through Wednesday. And on Sundays, 
was a day that I would go in, do a lot of my paperwork, treatment planning. I would see the kids, but the benefit is they're not at school on Sundays. So you may be wondering, well, what does that have to do with your private practice schedule? I'm looking at energy. I'm not trying to see kids all day or go to meetings half of the day and then see kids half of the day. Sunday ain't no supervisors there. We just chilling, uh, you know, in the, in the unit with the kids. So what that means is as soon as I come in at eight o'clock, I'm saying good morning. I'm going straight to my office. I had a time blocking schedule for myself. You have to create that for yourself in a business, right? Starting at nine o'clock, I had an agreement probation. I'm going to start calling these kids in. Tell me what kids don't go to church. I'm pulling them in first because they had like spiritual practices in church with service, right? So kids who didn't go to church, I would see them at nine o'clock. I would see kids all the way up until around 12 o'clock. Because what happens at 12 is it's family day. It's parenting day. So if I happen to have a kid in which their parent visited, which a lot of them did not have parents that visited them in jail, then I would plan a family session. Outside of that, it's game time. Literally, we're playing games. And you may be thinking, what the heck? These kids are in jail. Guess what happens? These kids that are from, you know, separate hoods, if you're familiar with, you know, games, they don't get along outside the jail. But if I can teach them a social skill of how to get along in that jail to learn how to play a game and wait your turn, you don't think a 17-year-old don't like can benefit from following instructions of social skill, being patient, lowering your voice, being polite. Put a one in the comment box of y'all seeing how I was able to integrate also the person that I am liking to have fun. Some of y'all who know me on Instagram know I like to dance and or do games. So I chose to pull in the gaming part of me and my personality. And I said, how can we make this fun for the kids? I like dancing, but I ain't dancing in no juvenile camp. Hello. So instead, back then I brought my iPod dock and the separate iPod away from my iPhone. I went on YouTube because I was extra. I went on YouTube and downloaded instrumentals, old school ones with some dope beats, right? Then I brought in the beats. Sundays was also for, oh, y'all like to rap? Well, let's rap about what you want to accomplish in your life when you in jail, <laughs> not what you did to get here. Okay. So I want you, if you would like during your session today, because you did good last session, your, your prize this week is you talk to me for half your session. And the other half of the session, you get to listen to this music and write like some bars. And then if you extra good, Right. I hope y'all see y'all like, and I'm explaining this, even though we're talking about private practice schedules, because I want you to take ownership of being the authentic version of yourself, no matter where you work, no matter who you work with, have fun with what you are doing. Business does not have to be stressful all the time. Right. So I'm doing all this while I'm running a private practice, trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. But Sundays was a light day for me is what I'm getting at. So like the extra special thing that they will be able to do is if probation allows them to do it, they will be able to drop eight bars as long as they're disrespectful in front of the whole unit. And oh, they thought they were like rappers, right? So that was fun for me. But guess what that did? That lightened up my energy so that I can get through the rest of the week, right? And so this was my schedule for a while. And then I decided that uh, working this far my, and this is where some of y'all are at with crossroads. I realized that if I were truly wanted to be a full-time private, private practice owner, cause that was always the plan. One day, I didn't really have a date back then, but I knew it would happen. I really need to take this whole business thing seriously. Okay. So I needed to like take my schedule seriously. So now I'm going to show you where it really, really started to change in terms of my schedule. Okay. 
So what you're looking at right now is my private practice schedule. I eventually moved over to Juvenile Hall. So here we go again with, if you see the top, it'll say changed jobs like over here. Okay. So when I change jobs, uh uh-oh, now I need to, some of y'all may need to talk to your private practice clients. And I'll share with you verbally how that was able to happen. But the first time that I went into juvenile hall, I did not have to change my schedule. Okay. It's just my days flip-flopped. So what that did, and please listen to this, I chose to exchange time for dollars. I ain't saying that that's the best thing, but I knew in my mind, the best thing to not do is leave my job with no money in the bank. Put a one in the comment box if you like, hallelujah. Right. So with that said, the best thing I can do with all this free time on my hands, because I don't know when I'm going to be in another relationship. I don't know when I'm going to get married at this point in my life. I don't know when I'm going to have a child after I get married. So with all of these unpredictable things that are running through my head, I decided to use this season of my life, my business and my career to go extra hard. Because those seasons don't last very long where you can just like work, 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 work. So I might as well take it to my advantage. So what I chose to do is literally teach at all three schools because my schedule now is over at four o'clock. So now I can go teach either because I was close now in the city, right? Like 10 minutes away from Compton um, at a juvenile hall versus two hours away. So literally leaving my house, it took me 15 minutes to drive to the jail. Right. And I was with traffic, like two X's from my house. And so I either taught from like six to eight or six to nine, meaning if it's the traditional school, 18 week classes, then the classes are usually, you know, 90 minutes or whatever. Or if it's a once a week class, it's more like three and a half to four hours. So that's why just just as an example, I blocked off that I was available and I was teaching Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever schedule I got is where I taught. And this is how I was bringing in so much cash flow while I was building my practice. But I want you to see what happened with my private practice hours. Now, again, this was during a season where I didn't have to rush home to nobody. Okay. So Friday, I chose to extend my time because I started to get referrals for couples, adults. I had wrote a book for couples as well. Okay. Also, I kept my schedule for Saturday. Now, my Saturday schedule did go until at one point two o'clock. And then I felt like that was too late. A lot of people didn't want the one o'clock schedule. And the one who did, she was happy when I said 11 o'clock, all of available, you know, all of a sudden she was like, I'll take it. So I cut off my schedule. So be okay with if you created a schedule and over time you don't like it, just talk to your clients. You'd be amazed how many of them are willing to change either because they just need to change to fit your schedule or they've been waiting for you to say it. So my schedule was busy during this season. Then what happened is this was the every other week schedule because we, I was at the juvenile hall, we would work nine hour shifts, but remember I was able to cut out all the travel. And then we worked five days on one week I think it was five days on one week and four days on one week or three and then and four. Whatever it was, we got an extra day. So during the weeks, oh, that, yeah, that's what it was. So during the weeks that we had an extra day, I chose to add on my Thursday schedule. And I realized that Thursday is still to today, like the best private practice day for me. I don't know what it is about Thursdays, but anytime I offered slots to people, they always chose Thursdays, whether it was morning or the evening. So in the blue represents my job. Okay. And this also includes 
whether I was at the juvenile hall and then eventually I went out into the field. So I moved around the county, but I managed to always position myself to get the schedule that I wanted. So don't be afraid to assert yourself. Some of you, this is like a quick tip too. This happened with one of our mastermind students two years ago. They worked for a very large school district in California. And they said kind of like LA County, like, hey, like that job doesn't offer part-time. And I said, have you asked? And they were like, girl, they don't offer it. I said, have you asked? And they were like, no. So we went back and forth like for months, me and his client, like six months. And then I said, dude, just ask. Like you clearly want to take your private practice full time. You want to do speaking engagements and other things. So how about you go ask your job if you want to go part-time? And guess what happened? (laughs) She sent them an email. And within like a day or two, they emailed back and said, yes, we have part-time. Now she ended up leaving the job because in that moment when they said, yes, we have part-time, she said, I low-key don't even want to work here. So I'm not going to take it, but I'm just sharing an example with you to say that all doors don't have to be closed. Some employers won't offer you part-time. Some will make up a position for you to work part-time, right? So during this season, I then spread out my private practice. My magic days were Thursday all day, Friday all day, Saturday in the morning. Thank you, Anna. Yes, ask and you shall receive, okay? Then I cut back on teaching again. So now I'm flip-flopping, but my teaching um, included both, depending on the week, please hear this, depending on the season of the classes, it either was teaching or let's just say teaching was slow or there were no classes, I would maybe see clients who were more short term. So I hope that I'm starting to pick up on the language that I'm using as well. I took the no excuse approach. Put a one in the comment box if that makes sense to you. I don't care what job I'm in. If I want a private practice to see clients on Thursdays, I'm going to figure out a way to see my clients on Thursdays. It may not look like my therapist friends, because I feel like that's what happens these days is you compare yourself to someone else who was just starting their private practice at the same time as you do, or y'all both join BTA at the same time. Stop comparing yourself. Everybody's life is different. And those aren't things that we necessarily bring up in the DTA call, right? Or in our community. So don't feel like your schedule and the amount of referrals that you get has to match other people around you. Prime example, in my area, I low-key, me and my group practice got, I ain't going to say all of them, but I'm going to say about 95% of people of color, not just Black, just anybody of color preferred back then a not a colorful therapist. I'll just leave it at that. And I started to ask, like, how did you find me? You know, some of y'all may have heard the story. I had an um, Asian-American young woman. She was 15 at the time. And, you know, I talked to her mom, whatever. She did private pay. And then I met with a young lady. She was very mature. And I said, how did y'all find me? Because, <laughs> you know, you're very open to therapy. And she was like, yeah, I wanted to come. And I'm like, how did you find me? And she was like, I don't want you to think I'm a racist. <laughs> and I was like, girl, just tell me. Like, it's good. You know, I've heard plenty. you know. And so she was like, I don't think it's racist, but I'm just going to tell you. So she was like, I typed in Google Black therapist and then it populated near me and then put in her city. And I was like, oh. So that's when I started to realize maybe I should ask my clients that. Like, if I search me on Google, you know? And so um, because Psychology Today, clearly I put in my bio, check that out, watch your language in your SEO, because I put that I'm an African-American, Black psychologist, therapist, whatever, all those words spread out throughout all of my online content, it pushed me up in the SEO when that's what clients type in. So I was like, ah, marketing. I'm learning about this marketing thing because by then 
I started going to marketing events, not private practice events, just marketing. Okay. So I started to learn just some basic terminology about websites, SEO, things like that. Cause I'm like a geek where I like stuff like that. So nonetheless, that's how I started to build my caseload. But you have, you see the word niched on the calendar because I also started to realize that I had two subsets of people that I would prefer to either they were all across the board. If we're talking about niche life transitions, but it was either high school kids about to adults, which didn't change transitional age youth or, and I started creating workshops for that too, in my private practice stream of income, or it was adults going through life transitions, such as starting over in a relationship, getting into a relationship. I started doing premarital coaching. It was called coaching later, but services um, and doing family. But at the end of the day, they all had something in common. They were entering into another life season and it was causing some severe anxiety and panic attacks. Those were like the key words that I put on my website, on my directory pages and all the things. So that is when I started seeing my private practice boom, because then I started using keywords. If somebody were to ask me what I did, I would let them know my niche statement in addition to like who I am as a psychologist. Okay. I hope that that makes sense. So that was my schedule. And then there was another phase. I left my nine to five. Now, some of you have heard my story, not going to repeat so much of it, but the jail was not the problem. The kids were not the problem. Probation was not the problem. Management over mental health was the problem to the point where they were overly micromanaging and they had a 70% turnover rate. So I ain't the only one who left, clearly. 70% turnover rate, specifically it was 67. That's a lot, okay? And so my journey was, I started in the camp. I went to the juvenile hall. I went to aftercare. And then I went back to the juvenile hall. Don't ask me why I went back to the juvenile hall. Probably because I like the schedule. <laughs> so, um, and it was closer to my house. The community, you got to drive all around Malibu back to the, to the, to the projects. Like it's a lot of driving. So during the season of me leaving my nine to five job, I really had to take a hard look at what I wanted to work now. What is your desire? And this is where some of you are. You need to, not you should, I'm going to say need. I would like you to strongly sit down and consider just the season that you'll be in in the next six months. Put a two in a comment box so you can commit to that. I know DTA, we teach you how to look at your schedule in different increments of time. Please still do that. But in terms of the schedule that you want for the next year, I'm asking you to look at what you want your schedule to be by December because December will set the tone for January through March, which is the first quarter or the first half of the year. This is the time in DTA, by the way, where if you just join or you plan on joining, when you come in around September, because I like to talk about it before October, we're going to start prepping you for getting your office ready for the holidays. This is information we will not release on the podcast, just so you know, it's only in our uh, community. But we will prep you for how to prep your clients for the holiday and what papers need to be sent and what things need to be in order in your back office, automation, all those things. We'll teach you how to do that and set that up. We also will teach you and talk to you about how to introduce changing your schedule, maybe for the new year for your clients. For example, my son started kindergarten. His schedule was completely different. He goes half day. Don't ask me why. I mean, I guess they don't have enough room for all the teachers and kids. So they're building another school by our home, but nevertheless, the kindergartners have to go half day here. So me and my husband had a choice. It, it's a sucky choice. We either can just let him come home and do some sight words and, you know, get him to do activities and take a nap or whatever, eat, go outside and play. Or we can go pick him up, 
feed him and then go take him to a daycare. I don't know about y'all. That's not a good setup because soon as he see us, he's not going to want to go nowhere, right? Unless it's like a party. So we just realized that we need to set the tone for what our schedule is going to be for his first year in school for kindergarten. It doesn't mean that our schedules will be like this forever. But another reason why we have to sit down and talk about this, even though I'm jumping ahead of the whole nine to five, just giving some of y'all some nuggets because some of y'all, this is the season that y'all in, right? Because some of y'all, your kids about to start school right now, right? And so we also have a blended family. My eldest son, my bonus son, he stays 40 miles away from us. He goes to a school in a whole nother school district. We split the week. So yeah, the schedule that you're looking at, it's not my current schedule, but it's a schedule format that I still use for my daily life. Every single six months, if not every quarter for business, I will go and look at how my schedule is running. Okay. And you should do the same. So when I left my nine to five, I left it looking like this, but I had to realize that I had now all white space. So this is what it would look like. I just wanted to like, um, like draw it out for y'all. Right. And then I'm going to manually do one with you and then feel free to ask, um, answer any questions, ask any questions. So what happened when I left my nine to five is it went like this. And I was like, oh, man. So then I asked myself, well, what days do I want to work? And at that time, I was still subletting. So I chose to, before I left my nine to five job, I did go and just rent my own office if you have a physical office, right? Some of y'all have your home space, but please note, unless you have a designated office, like I do, like it's a bedroom downstairs, you may not have the luxury of just being in that room all day. And that's something that we don't consider too. Like, do you have privacy for that whole six hour time frame that you're seeing clients like every two hours and then taking a break. Right. So this is what I would do if I were like starting my private practice during this time, or if I was back in the season, I would say, okay, what days do I not want to work? <laughs> so I chose clearly to not work Sundays. So I'm just going to mark that one interactively with y'all like red. Absolutely not. Right. I don't no longer want to work on Friday. So here's the kicker. If I had just left my job and I was seeing couples, I was seeing couples all the way ending until eight o'clock. But granted, I'm going to be real on Friday. Shoot. Like for two hours, I was going to Forever 21. I was going to the mall. I was getting my nails done. I didn't get my hair done because that would take too long. But I intentionally found a nail shop by my private practice office. Like y'all better work it. Right. So I clustered my clients. I had clients come from like nine to one. Then I had a long ass lunch break <laughs> for like three to four hours. And then I had my kids start to come in during this time, if that makes sense. Um, and then I would have like a couple that would typically come in who really couldn't find a babysitter until late at night at seven o'clock or seven thirty, and we will wrap up. But that was only on Fridays. Okay. Cause I would turn up on a weekend. Okay. I started coming in at one point every other Saturday. So feel free to change your schedule. I stopped. So what, how I made that decision is, uh, a lot of the clients that I was seeing was tapering down on their sessions. So the, the method that I use to help them taper down, and I tell them this on the intake, you may want to try it, is I let them know in the beginning of treatment, I will recommend you come in once a week, depending on like who the client is, right? And they'll be like, oh, how long am I going to be in therapy? It all depends on what information you present to me, and then we'll put together a treatment plan. But I will let you know when things are getting better, and you'll know it because I will then ask you, do you want to go every other week if you have not already suggested it? And you will know that it's time to go every other week because you ain't got nothing to talk about. You literally do your check-in and then it, it seems like we're talking like we're friends and we're not, you know, <laughs> your therapist. And so I will then initiate, hey, let's go every other week. We will test that out after a month. If like after two sessions, you're good with every other week, no super big crisis come up that you can't handle, then we're going to stay at every other week. 
then we're going to measure that for a while. But to be honest, most clients don't stay on there very long because then they realize, oh, I got it. I got the tools. So then we're going to move you to once a month. Or if we feel like everything is good, I'm just going to graduate you from treatment. Congratulations. You're done. And you can just move to as needed, meaning you can call me when ideally, you know, you're about to go through a life transition unless it's like a serious crisis. Right. But if you know you're going through another life transition, like hit me up before it happens. You know what I'm saying? If you know you're about to get birth, if you know you're about to leave your job, if you're about to switch jobs, if you're about to get a promotion, hit me up before that happens, right? So that's how I was able, honestly, with also being transparent with my clients about my job schedule. You don't have to do that, but I chose to tell my clients, they knew I worked in accounting. Hell, that's why they chose for their kids to come see me because they were like, this kid needs to be in jail, but he ain't in jail. So I'm gonna have him come see you, you know, work there. So you can share some knowledge, some insight behind the scenes. And I did. However, or not however, in addition to that, I felt okay to tell the client, hey, my rotation is moving in three months because I would give them a a 90-day heads up. I need to move around my schedule. And it wouldn't affect that many people, but for the people who did, I'm gonna be real. I never had a client tell me they couldn't see me no more because my schedule changed. Guess what they did? Because we had such a great relationship and they didn't want to start over with another therapist. They said, well, what I got to do? I can take a three-hour lunch break. I can come down here. Some people had to do a phone session until their supervisor approved that they did it, right? So I'm just letting you know, nothing is off, okay? And so during this schedule, what I would do is I would block out, I'm gonna do the whole thing, but what I would do is I would block out the days and times that I don't wanna work. And then I would maybe leave white the days that I do wanna work. I would also insert um, something called self-care, okay? So if I was going to the gym, which is not on here, I would say like from six to eight, don't bother me. That, that time is blocked out. Um, Mondays, um, I started seeing people on Monday. I would only see people in private practice on Mondays. Let me just do this with you. I would do it just like this. So I'm just going to walk you through what I would do with my schedule. I only want to see clients on Monday for four hours in the morning because I just want to chill with my friends or something. Um, on Tuesday, I might see people until like three. So that means I got to see adults. Okay. I don't want to see nobody in the evening because I go to the improv comedy club <laughs> on Monday and Tuesday. Okay. Um, on Wednesday, I'm off or maybe I teach. On Thursday, I will see clients. On Friday, I will see clients on Saturday. So what does that mean? I was seeing clients from five days a week when I first started, but why can I do that? Because I'm full-time. And full-time to me is 20 clients, sometimes more, okay? So now I just wanna scroll down and show you where I am today because my schedule looks completely different. And I hope that you will see how over time, and I'm not saying it's going to take you 11 years, but I had a job that I was at for five years, is that I knew that running my business was a marathon. I also knew that my schedule would never be the dream perfect schedule that I can keep for the rest of my life. Put a one in the comment box if that makes sense to you, because some people come to DTA, I'm going to be all the way real. Some people come into DTA and they're like, oh man, I want to get like the alumni's where on Monday they got an admin day, Saturday and Sunday they're not seeing clients. I want to practice like that. Well, what I would like you to do is go ask some alumni how they started, because all you listening to are the wins and you're not looking at the fact that they're on chapter 12 and you're on chapter one. You really comparing your chapter one, even if you already got a practice, you probably still at chapter one and you're comparing it to alumni that have come back to DTA about 10,000 rounds. Right. Or have been or, or got hella support from somebody in their family. Financially, you don't know somebody else's situation that will allow them to make all these changes. Like my situation was I had no kids. I was not married. That is not other people's story. That would have not been my story if we're talking about business right now. 
So let me share with you an idea of what my schedule looks like uh, today. Okay. So as of right now, I'm actually going to insert this because I do have self-care. Okay. So what I have now is called a blackout period. And I do a Monday through Sunday, but I mean, it's usually the weekdays. So some of y'all may want to take note of this and put a one in the comment box if this is something, you know, saying you want to try and do or something. So um, my team knows on my schedule, don't schedule nothing because I do have somebody that's like, help. you know, they're over my schedule on my team. So from six to eight, don't bother me. That's when y'all will see me um, in the gym. I may post it later, but I'm in the gym most of the time, like five days a week, right? My schedule can flip-flop, honestly, throughout the month, really because of the community private practice program that I have. So on Mondays, we have BTA, okay? So I'm going to block out an hour after because we typically meet with our students for, uh, you know, 90 minutes or something. Sorry, y'all. I just be lacking something to look a certain way. <laughs> so I'm like super anal. And that's like almost every week at this point in the fourth quarter, but usually the beginning of the year, it's like every other week. Then on Tuesday, we have ECM this year. That has changed over the years, but this year we have them at nine o'clock. Once a month, I also do another program. I'm just going to leave it at uh, XYZ because that's more of a secret society type situation that we don't tell the public about. (laughs) Um, So that was like a one-time thing that we honored and we are working with those clinicians for to get them prepared for the mastermind. Okay, so we have DTA and I want y'all to see the hours. That's two hours. That's two hours. That's two hours. Granted, I do do things outside of the session to prepare for the session, right? But that is when I show up, okay? During this hour, on days where I have DTA or ECM or another coaching call, my husband takes my son to school. Ideally, unless I have a super important meeting, like a once in a lifetime thing or a podcast interview, I desire to pick my son up between these hours. Like he, he gets out of school at 1130. Okay. So if I chose to, unless I'm teaching in the community, which you'll see in a moment, I will block these hours out. That's when I pick them up or my husband picks them up. We go get Chick-fil-A or we cook lunch do whatever, right? Play. I don't know. (laughs) And then here is wide open. Now this is where it can get a little tricky. This is no longer, well, not tricky, just more wise. This is no longer happening. I no longer am actively teaching at the three colleges that I was teaching at. One of them shut down. The other one got, well, the other two got very unorganized during the pandemic. And I just chose not to go back because I prefer to go on campus And it was unorganized. Even to this day, one of them is definitely still unorganized. But I also realized that I took my teaching gift and I moved it over to our coaching program. So all I did leverage my time to move it to a place where I want to go. Now, what I also do is private practice in the community. And I have private practice cash pay clients that call me when they need to come. So what I'm telling you, I am no longer in the position in my business, but please note how long this took. I ain't saying it got to take this long because that's why I coach people so that it you don't have to take as long as I have given you. So some people look at coaching as, oh, I don't want to make the investment because it don't make all that. That's too much. Da, da, da. You have to look at what is the end result? What are you getting at the end? And not necessarily immediately at the end. Don't expect for everybody's testimonial that goes into DTA at the same time to walk out of DTA at the same level. It's not going to happen. Life is life in P. 
People will market different. People will quit on themselves different. I'm being all the way real. I tell people, don't join a program if you don't bet on you. But when stuff get in your head, when you have limiting beliefs, let me know if I'm talking to somebody right now. You ready to throw in the towel. It don't matter if I told you to still come to the coaching call. Some people don't want to come to the coaching call and be vulnerable to ask their question. And then they'll turn around and say, I need help. Well, you ain't saying nothing. You being an observer. You can be an observer. I'm not saying you can't learn as an observer. But at the end of the day, I thought that you joined DTA to get help with your business. Not Shayla business, not Tamika business, not whoever's business, not TK's business. You came to DTA to get help with your business. So speak up. Now, I'm not going to tell somebody that if I know they got a question, right? But I'm telling you now, speak up. We love to pour into you. Love it. We understand if you got to get your head together, maybe you got to take a break from DTA and come back. But by all means, we have the alumni access to come back. Okay? So what I do right now in my private practice is I have what's called like community mental health. So what I'll do week by week is if one of my clients hits me up and says, hey, can I get my monthly session or whatever? Or I'm back in town because I do work with some people who travel or people that were in the industry and in different industries. That's, that's what I'll keep it at. And so I will let them know this is what I have coming up in the next two weeks. Here's a link to my calendar. Go schedule yourself. Automation, right? And I will make sure that I... I'm not going to clear out my schedule, like keep it clear. Hopefully a private practice uh, client comes, but I'll just keep my schedule up to date, if that makes sense, right? Meaning I don't just fill in white spots on my calendar just to say that I'm busy. Just to say that I'm busy. Let me just make that clear. Please do not just fill up your spot just to fill up your spot, right? So now what it looks like, I'll give you an example of um, this week, okay? So yesterday we had DTA. The rest of the day was uh, answering questions about the DTA open enrollment period. So it was just serving, right? So I'm not going to put that on my calendar. I'm just serving, okay? Tuesday, today is Tuesday. So we did the mastermind students this morning. Then I went to pick up my son. Then we went to Chick-fil-A. Then we came home and we hung out. I watched like a show on Netflix or whatever. And then I did something on my computer. Then I got off. Um, then we all, oh, we had a meeting too, right before we went to go pick up my son. So we had ECM and then we had a meeting with somebody for a collaboration. And then I went to go pick up my son. Outside of that, I'm doing this right now, but this was very impromptu. Sometimes things are not on my schedule because I would prefer to listen to the higher version of me. I would prefer to do meditation and be present to what I allow my higher power to come and tell me how I need to move throughout my day. And that is also part of the issue is that a lot of you are waiting for answers to show up, but you're not allowing room on your schedule and throughout your day for these things, for these voices, for these downloads to come in. Right. So, um, Miss Kendrick, hey, uh, she said, yes, one thing you continuously show me is how to utilize my voice gift and stay in my gene zone. Exactly. Right. And then Kayla, the DTA community is so valuable. Just show up. That's all we ask you to do. Right. Um, so another thing that I'm doing this week, just to show you how well versed or private practice can come, is that some of you heard through the boot camp that I now do, and I've been doing it for a while, collaborations now over 10 years, different nonprofits. I either go and help them develop a mental health program. I help the mental health program get off the ground or revamp their mental health program. I like developing programs. Clearly, that's why I'm a coach and developing online courses. But that's my genius zone. That don't have to be yours. I'm just letting you know what I like to do. So what ended up happening was they invited me in based off of my gift to talk about PTSD in the hood. 
right? I now teach trauma-informed care that spun off into other topics like how to deal with stress, you know, how to recognize stress before you go into workplace because I still work with people who come out of jail or preventing them from going back, right? So example would be tomorrow, I still have a blackout time for working out, but I do need to leave my house around this 8.30 mark, which means I can't take my son to school tomorrow because between eight and I'm gonna say two o'clock, that includes travel time down to LA. I'm going to be driving, stop at Starbucks, do my training for two hours, and then drive back home and eat lunch. So anything that I'm choosing to do will need to come after this, if anything. The most I'll probably do at that point is just comment on social media, right? More than likely, on Thursday is going to be the day that we're going to announce the winners for the boot camp contest. Because on Wednesday, we just scheduled a training for in the morning. So I can't do it that day. So on Thursday, we have certain things that we do on Thursdays, but pretty much the rest of my schedule is wide open. So at the end of the day, I just really wanted to share with you over time how my schedule has changed so that you can give yourself permission and you can give yourself grace to know that the schedule that you are creating right now is not potentially going to be the schedule that you have in January, okay? On a scale of one to 10, I know some people are popping in at different times. Was this helpful with the information that you did here? Just to even visually see how schedules can change over time, more importantly, including a nine to five, because I think that is a lot of the questions that I get or the question that people are afraid to ask. Because when we start talking about private practice, I think that some people create a narrative that the expectation is you need to leave your job. And I want to make it very clear, our like DTA community does not require you to leave your job. We don't actually ask you to leave your job. We actually do the complete opposite. We encourage you to take your time and stay at your job as long as you humanly and possibly can so that you can stack up money so that when you do leave, you'll have a financial plan. Please hear me, okay? Another thing that I would highly consider you to do if you don't like your job, this is what I used to do when I did not like certain places that I would work, even as a supervisor, but I would like suck it up because I needed to accomplish something before I left, whether that was finishing up with a group of interns or whether that was meeting my financial savings pot goal or whatever, right? It doesn't mean I show up as a disgruntled employee and so, or a contractor as a supervisor. So what I did with one agency is my supervisor didn't like going to the agency meetings once a month. But because I was the lead one, of, it was two lead supervisors over pre-doctoral students, um, those who are about to, you know, graduate with their doctor degree. So I was like the supervisor. The other person was the testing supervisor. So I, I clearly had to do like all the paperwork stuff, which I like to do. So we went to the meeting. And when I sat down, keep in mind in the background, I'm running a whole group practice with a therapist while having these streams of income. Right. So um what I ended up doing is when I walked into the meeting, I was like, I don't want to be here. Then as soon as I sat down and looked at the agenda, I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm supposed to be here. Why? Because I was in the season of getting coaching myself on just marketing, not private practice. I had to figure all that out on my own. But I saw, how do they talk about numbers? How do they talk about money? How do they talk about growth? How do they talk about operations? So put a two in the comment box. If you now can see how you can reframe how you even show up to your job that you might not like, and I'm not saying take people's stuff. I'm not saying that. 
But I started to pay attention to how companies run because despite what I don't like about the company, they clearly are doing something that I don't know how to do. They got grant money. They got funding that ain't running out. They got hundreds of staff. They have fire holiday parties in which they combine it with a training for tax purposes and then we turn it into a party. They're doing something that I want to do one day. The impact that I want to make one day, maybe in a different way, but I'm not there yet. So I can't talk about them. Check yourself. We talk about these agencies we don't like. Go and build your own. Stop talking about somebody else's. That's a mouthful right there. So that wraps up just this uh, impromptu that will turn into an audio podcast as well for our podcast listeners. If you are watching on YouTube and you have not done so already, please subscribe to the channel. I have a variety of things, still trying to find my way beyond these masterclass workshops with podcasts or the bootcamp of content that you all may want to tune into. I find that when I create content on YouTube, it's hit or miss. Sometimes I know when I go live, those do fairly well with like engagement because y'all here with me or y'all watching the replay and it feel like you're here, right? But when it comes down to other areas, I also showcase, um, you can go and look at our live events if you want to like check out how we get down with the masterminder conferences. And also you can check out like podcast episodes with other therapists just to see what other therapists are doing, you know, in their business. And so any resources that I usually will have in terms of like what's going on, what do I offer will always be at this link on the screen. It matches the link in the bio on Instagram. So I will see some of y'all in DTA um, alumni and new students. We have our first new cohort call, but also alumni do another round where we have two more rounds left in terms of the B-R-A-N-D. So what that means is you can come to any coaching call and ask whatever question you have. But in terms of me checking in with you all, I'm going to ask you, do you have questions about like for next week? Did you create your framework? How far have you gotten in the blueprint? Who's who's completed blueprint? Who's earned their badges in blueprint? You know, and then the same thing for the other modules is just more of a post check. And then depending on what your questions are, I'll typically pull those into the call if it needs more prep. And it comes up and I need to prep for it, meaning I need to do something on Excel, Google Sheet to create something for our students. Because some of y'all have heard this in that Zoom call. I will create it, but it may have to wait until the next coaching call because I will prefer to put it in the portal with like a learning video. And then I can teach to it the following week. Right. So have a great evening. I will talk to you all later. Have a blessed day. See some of y'all in DTA. Bye. Listen, I am over here dancing. You just finished another epic episode of the Therapist Deserve Abundance podcast. Now, I know that flew by way too fast. So if you want more, please head over to our resource page at drtk.com forward slash links for additional abundant resources. Until the next episode, live intentionally abundant.